Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. We have a quote from a gentleman named Ben Green who wrote an article, B2B Social Media, Six Tips for Social Selling Strategy. And here's the quote we found. Repeat after me. Social media followers are not leads. They could be, however. I hear some optimism in there. So what's going on? Well, I have breaking news for you. Here's a reality check. The world's oldest profession is dot, 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 wait for it, sales. Yes, it is. While each technological era has impacted how the salesperson sells, only recently has technology, and mostly in the form of social media, shifted the power from the B2B seller to the B2B buyer. What in the world does that mean? Well, think of it this way. B2B buyers can now search and shop for enterprise solutions as easily as they can find shoes on Zappos, a garage door opener on Amazon, anything they want online. That's how easy it is to do B2B. So how have successful companies made what we're going to call the paradigm shift to a social selling culture that benefits sales, marketing, and the customer in this new world of B2B? I'm Body D. Graham. Welcome. And we have two experts on our panel today. Let me tell you who they are briefly and then we'll get started. We're welcoming back for I've Lost Count, how many times he's been on our shows, Bernie Borges, B-O-R-G-E-S. He is a co-founder and CEO of Vengreso, V-E-N-G-R-E-S-O. And we'll ask him once again in a couple of minutes to tell us what the company is and what they're up to these days. And rounding out the panel is the sponsor of the series. And she's been on so many times I've Lost Count because it's her series. Kirsten Boylo, Head of Regional (laughs) Engagement and Social Selling at SAP. So welcome, Bernie, and welcome, Kirsten. This is a hot topic, and officially, if you're keeping track, this is Season 4, Episode 8, and the title of this episode is Social Selling Secrets of Companies Doing It Well, Part 2, and those are the companies you want to know about. So Bernie Borges has sent me a very interesting quote, a funny one, actually, from Woody Allen. He was born, I don't know if you know this, Bernie, he was born Allen Stewart Konigsberg, or Kenigsberg, some people say, and took on the name Haywood Allen. He was born in December 1935, American director, writer, actor, comedian, and musician who's been at it for six decades. He's won four Academy Awards. His screenplay for Annie Hall was named the funniest screenplay by the Writers Guild of America in its 101 funniest screenplays and on and on. So here's the quote. I am thankful for laughter, except when milk comes out of my nose. Bernie, how do you expect me to say that with a straight face? How are you? Buddy, that's the whole idea. The whole idea behind that quote is we all need laughter. We just it's, we just do. We need laughter. And when I was looking for a quote and I saw that one that just jumped off the page and I went with it. Well, tell me something. We're talking about social selling. And Bernie, we're supposed to take this very, very seriously. As Kirsten will tell you, social selling is no laughing matter. And you brought me a very silly <laughs> quote from Woody Allen. And I am i won't say I'm confused. I'm amused. I'm bemused. So you're going to have to unravel this for me, okay? 
Absolutely. Well, look, it, one thing about selling that has never changed, even from, you know, eons ago before any, any of us were even born, is that it's about relationships. It's about people working together, right? And at the very core of our humanity is our ability to relate, and that includes laughter. There's no rule anywhere that I'm aware of that says we can't enjoy ourselves while we're conducting business, while we're actually in selling activities and helping customers solve problems. And that includes laughter. So there's the connection, Bonnie. I, well, I like that. In all the shows we've done, Bernie, with you and your colleagues at Vingresso and Kirsten, all the people she's brought on the series for the past four years, I don't think anybody has ever talked about laughter being one of the key ingredients to successful social selling. So let's just take it a step further, Bernie. When you are engaging with people on social, trying to build relationships and not sell and not push your products or solutions on them, can you say something funny? Is that where it fits into the picture? I don't see any reason why not. I mean, I'm I'm not the funniest person in the world myself. It's not anything. That's not something that I would claim, you know lay claim to as being uh, comedic in in any way. That said, uh, every once in a while there is that spontaneous moment, whether in whether it's in social or in person. But since we're here to talk about social selling in particular, yeah, you can mm-hmm. absolutely drop something that's 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 got some humor, especially with all the the animated gifs that are out there that are available, and people you know shaking their hips and dancing, and you know in response to a question <laughs> or a thought, it just adds a little bit of humor. It, again, it's just part of our humanity. And, you know, in the end, when all things are equal between vendors, a buyer is going to do business with the person that they know, like, and trust, right? And laughter yes. is part of that likability. If you like someone because they make you feel good, then that can absolutely come into play. I like it very much. Bernie, I, I just uh, taped the first episode of my TV show since I moved here to Durham, North Carolina. I did it with a Mevo camera, if you're familiar with that wonderful digital technology. And my first guest is a, a community neighbor who is an improv performer and an instructor. And I've been doing comedy and improv for years, as you may know. And we opened the show talking about laughter is the best medicine, but then we segue to say most of us live a life of improv, and people don't think of it that way. So I'm thinking of improv meaning we don't read a script when we talk to people. We're not reading a script now, you and me and Kirsten. No script. We've got some notes, but we're not reading. And we make it up as we go. So would you advise people when they want to interject comedy into their social relationship building, shall we say, that they just find an opportunity and play it up with taste, of course, culturally appropriate, PC appropriate. Is that the way to add that humor, Bernie? Well, I'm glad you add, you added those qualifiers, you know, to do it in a mm-hmm. tasteful way, you know, in a way that you can be 100% confident that you're not going to offend anyone. You know, we all know what topics to avoid. I don't, I don't think I need to go there. But the other thing that I would say, Bonnie, is to not try to force it. And, and I, I'm very mindful of that because I know that I'm not gifted. Like, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm the last person you want up on stage being, in, 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 you know, improvising because I'm just not naturally funny. So, but if something comes to me in the moment and it feels like there might be some humor to it, I'll go with it. And, and over the years, I've had a, you know, a little bit of a laugh along the way, you know, once in a while, but I don't try to force it, Bunny. That's the main thing. I don't try to go out of my way to make it happen because that's when it usually doesn't work. 
Thank you very much, Bernie. I'll remember that you try to be funny sitting down but not standing up like some of us do. I'm still doing stand-up, by the way. <laughs> what can I say? Kirsten is probably saying, what in the world happened to the topic we were going to cover? We're talking about humor. <laughs> not at a- all. I totally agree with with Bernie. I, I think that I think that actually you can hear, um, you can you can build a relationship with people when you make that emotional connection, when you make them laugh. When I was, um, you know, doing that uh, on the phone all the time kind of stuff a few years ago, um, I, I always felt I was much more successful in building a relationship and taking it to the next level if I could build that, that um, rapport with someone. And I usually tried to do it by making them laugh by being Canadian. I usually tried to make them laugh at me for being Canadian, you know, something to do with being Canadian, <laughs> maple syrup or the weather or something. And, and it, it really helped people Got me feel laughing. comfortable and they kind of let down their guard. And, yeah, I totally agree with what, where, where Bernie's coming from. Thank you very much. That's funny. I I never thought of it that way. Talk about culturally appropriate. Kirsten has sent us a quote from Roseanne Cash, American singer-songwriter, young lady born in 1955. I can say that. Bernie, I can say she's young. She's an author and the eldest daughter of country music icon, the late Johnny Cash, and his first wife, Vivian Liberto Cash-Diston. She was originally classified as a country artist, but her music spans folk, pop, blues, rock, and Americana genres, and her breakout hit was Seven Year Ache in 1981, which topped the U.S. country singles charts and reached number 30 on the U.S. pop singles charts. She was inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame on October 11, 2015. Okay, and let's see what the quote is Kirsten has picked. Here we go. The key to change is to let go of fear. Well, that's not funny, Kirsten. Welcome. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm great. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking it's such a contrast to to the way that Bernie um, presented the the quote about building relationships and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's almost two sides of the same coin, right? It's um, people, uh, they fear change. They fear doing things differently. And if if you can help them, if you can build a relationship with them, if you can uh, get them to feel comfortable by um, using humor, for, for instance, um, you can help them to let go of that fear and to make that change happen. Thank you very much. Kirsten, when we think of the companies that are most successful, and that's the title of our topic today, part two of Social Selling Secrets of Companies Doing It Well, where would you put ability to let go of fear, which may be on an individual level? We've talked often about the laggards and how do you train people in the post-training momentum in social and keeping the brand alive and doing what it's supposed to do, and now adding the element of humor, courtesy of Bernie Borges at Vengresso. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Where do you put humor on the list of priorities? Oh, I don't know that I would put it right at the very, very top, <laughs> but it's certainly, I would say it's certainly in the top. Um, it's not a, a key skill necessarily, but I think uh, even leadership needs to be able to um, laugh about the way that things are, and but at the same time say, look, I can see that things need to change, and um, yeah, I think there's lots of different uh, lots, of, lots of different ways we can look at that, but I, I would say it definitely is in the top ten um, attributes of, of people that want it, that need to make that decision to change. 
Well, this is certainly groundbreaking. We simply have never covered this before. I'm I'm delighted, Bernie, that you introduced a new element to the mix, and you know Kirsten and I are on board with that totally. So we're not going to turn this to What's So Funny About Social Selling because I did a TV show years ago called What's So Funny, and it was comedy and improv. We're not going to go there. Bernie, let's circle around the table. It's a small table today with just three of us. Let's circle around to you and find out for people who have not heard you before, which seems impossible to me, but we certainly try to make sure you're out there on Game Changers Radio. Bernie, what is Vengresso all about and what have you been up to and what's your favorite drink as in what's in your cup today or what are you planning to drink after the show? Bernie, talk to me. Well, thank you, Bonnie. And I do want to point out, even though we are on radio, so there's no visual here, I do not currently have any milk coming out of my nose. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> That's the Woody Allen quote. Wondering. If anybody's just tuning in, I'm thankful for laughter, except when milk comes out of my nose. I had to give that reference because anybody just tuning in would say, what's wrong with Bernie? I have a good doctor for you. So go, go ahead, Bernie. <laughs> context, context. So, okay, so um, thank you, Bonnie. So I am the CMO of Ingresso, not the CEO. Uh, we'll, we'll, when we get to Kirsten, we'll make Kirsten the CEO of SAP. Uh, how, do, how about that? But I am the, the CMO of Ingresso. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. We elevated you. We escalated you. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Bernie. Since we're on the seamers kick here. Um, yes. So, so yeah, so Vengresso is a service provider focused on helping B2B companies really take their digital selling strategies to a new level by empowering their sales teams through personal branding, through skills training and strategies and techniques, and also content on how to use all of those together to create more sales conversations, fill their pipeline more effectively, and in the end, some more through digital selling strategies. And so we've been up to uh, a lot of training, a lot of working with clients. I also have a podcast. I think you know that. And of course, Kirsten knows that really well because she's been on my podcast more than mm-hmm. once. And that podcast is Social Business Engine. And Kirsten, actually, you and I did a podcast recently that uh, was a whole lot of fun, if you remember that. And I don't think that was a laughing matter. That was a very serious uh, podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, you've got that very humor great. woven into our topic today, Bernie. Thank you very much. And you want to name drop a couple of people who joined you in creating Vengresso because they've all been on this series. I think everybody has. You want to drop a couple of names of your colleagues Absolutely. so people will know? Go ahead. My my esteemed co-founders are Mario Martinez, Jr., who is, in fact, mm-hmm. the CEO. Kurt okay. Saver, who is our CSO, Chief Sales Officer. Vivica Von Rosen is our Chief Visibility Officer. And Bryn Tillman is our Chief Learning Officer. And every one of them has been on Kirsten's show, right, Kirsten? Changing the game yes. with Social Selling Radio. So happy to have that. I, maybe I'm wondering, Bernie, is it possible that having each of them spend time with us on Game Changers Radio, it just they just all sat down one day and said, that was really cool. Why don't we form a company called Vengresso? No, I'm not going to go there. Okay, Bernie, thank you very much. And what are you drinking? Did you give me a drink yet? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. So, yeah, no. I, I drink good old-fashioned black coffee, no sugar, no cream, nice and strong, French roast. Starbucks or Peach are my two favorite brands, if I'm allowed to say that. And if I yes. didn't, um, if I'm not allowed to say that, I just said it. Um, but that's, I love you strong are. black French roast coffee. Very interesting. And I I love dark, dark, dark coffee. But as you know, they don't let me anywhere near it on radio show day. So no coffee today, but me. Maybe later. I have another show tonight. So, Kirsten, what have you been up to? Where are you today? And tell us what you love to drink. Anything new in the drink department? 
No, nothing new. I am sticking to my Earl Grey tea. I've got my, but I've got a great big mug in front of me. It says uh, I created it. Oh, what year was it? Let's look at the bottom without tipping it over. 2010 um, on Family Day, and it's uh, it's got uh, it says my mug on it. <laughs> uh, I drink from it all the time. It's my favorite mug. Great big thing. Um, I am in uh, St. Jacobs, Ontario, just outside of Waterloo. I'm at in my home office today. It's um, extremely hot and yes. uh, rainy. So um, hmm. 34 degrees, I think, 34 degrees Celsius, which I don't know what that translates to in uh, Fahrenheit, sorry. But hot, anyway. And, um, yeah, nothing nothing really new. We're just uh, kind of going along with lots of... Lots of uh, Great things happening with social selling, as always. So, Thank you very much, Kirsten. And I will tell you that uh, many years ago, I went to a garage sale. Do you have garage sales up there in Waterloo area, Kirsten? Oh, yes. Well, I went to a garage sale and didn't know that the family I, I whose house I went to, I saw a sign and went to this beautiful home in the yard. They had all kinds of interesting things. Turns out it was the home of the parents of a young man named Ben who was my director on my TV show, and I had no idea this was where he lived. He was a, a student at the time, and um, his mother was selling two very interesting, very short mugs. They're round. They're frosted glass with a map of the globe all the way around the glass in white frosted on clear glass. Very heavy. They hold about four ounces. That's about it. If you turn them upside down, they either say Nestle or Nescafe. Bernie may remember. I don't remember, but Bernie may have heard of this. I'm just doing a, never mind, Bernie, you know why. Um, because it was a promotion by the Nestle Coffee Company in the late 80s, something like that, 70s, where they were giving away these cups, and they're very heavy and very quality. Well, I bought two of them for, I don't know, six or seven bucks from Ben's mom, and accidentally discovered that's where Ben lived. But the point was that I loved them so much, I went on a hunting mission on eBay over the years and bought sets of two and four at a time. I think I own about 10 or 12 of them now at varying price ranges. But that's what I love to drink my, and I'm getting to the point when I'm allowed to have coffee, I drink (laughs) espresso from my red Nespresso in these little short, and then I use use the frother, and I put about a, a two ounces of 1% very cold milk in and froth it and foam it and then add that into the espresso and mix it with a spoon and I can eat it with a spoon actually. And that's my coffee of choice these days. But Bernie, it's always very, very dark and no sugar, nothing added. If Mm -hmm. you have good dark coffee, why would you want to spoil it, right, Bernie? Exactly, exactly. I didn't always drink my coffee that way, but I learned many years ago and then I just never went back. There you go. Anyway, I'm happy to be talking to both of you. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I think I'm going to give you a little break. We're speaking today about social selling secrets of companies doing it well, and we've already covered two of those secrets. Number one is have a sense of humor and use it well at the right time, tastefully, and you can get people to like you even better. And the other one is let go of the fear, and we're going to elaborate on that more when we come back. I'm speaking today with Bernie Borges, B-O-R-G-E-S, co-founder and COO of Vengresso. Did I get that right, Bernie? 
Yes. CMO, but you're getting closer. CMO. My God, I'm playing alphabet super. <laughs> CMO. I just heard C's and O's. That's all. CMO. <laughs> you, you have been all. You've been the whole board of directors here, Bernie. CMO. <laughs> Bernie Borg is co-founder and CMO of Ingresso. He's going to forgive me. Actually, I did have a little coffee this morning. That's why. And Kirsten Boylow, head of regional engagement and social selling at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to dive into what in the world you need to know to embrace, engage, and make your social selling excellent so you can be more like the successful companies. Maybe you're one. Maybe you'll tweet us at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O and tell us that you're one of the companies you want everybody to be emulating. Well, maybe not. Then that would be too competitive. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. Welcome back to Changing the Game with Social Selling Radio. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm still speaking with Bernie Borges at Ven Gresso, V-E-N-G-R-E-S-O, and I have the word from officials that he is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Ven Gresso. He's also a co-founder with many people who've been on our Game Changers radio series, good group of people, and Kirsten Boylow, the sponsor of this wonderful series and head of regional engagement and social selling at SAP. We're talking today about social selling secrets of companies doing it well. And before the break, we uncovered two secrets. One is have a sense of humor to help engage and build relationships. And the second secret is don't be afraid. So we're going to look at the notes my panelists have sent me before the show. And here's where we're going to start. Bernie Borges told me the following. Social selling is a thing in 2018. Why? The buyer behavior has changed. The pace of behavioral change is accelerating as we continue to become more Digital. Bernie, please tell us more. So, Bonnie, 
Imagine that you said to me, hey, Bernie, I'm having a bunch of people over for a movie Friday night. Why don't you come over and join us? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, Bonnie. I, in fact, I'm not, I'll not just come over. On the way over, I'm going to stop off at Blockbuster, and I'm going to pick up the VHS version of whatever movie you want to watch. So just tell me what movie we, 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 want, to, we want to watch. So what I'm getting at is that social selling is a thing, kind of like Netflix is a thing. Because if I was to say to you, I'm going to stop off at Blockbuster and pick up a VHS, you'd probably say, well, Bernie, you're kind of living in the past. You know, we're just going to turn on Netflix and pick a movie and watch it on demand. And the reality is there are people, there are sales teams out there, Bonnie, that are still selling the VHS way. And you know what? If it works for them, great. However... Social selling is kind of like Netflix. It is the modern way of selling. As you said, the the buyer has changed. The buyer is spending way more than half their time online conducting research, talking to their peers, asking for their peers to recommend people and companies Mm -hmm. to talk to. And they're doing that through social and digital channels. So just like Netflix and other on-demand options are the way that we watch a movie as opposed to, I mean, we could slap in a VHS, right? I mean, that, that, that's still available to us, just like the old style of selling is still available to us. The question is, is that really the most effective way for you to engage with today's modern buyer? You know, in Investor, we like to say that the modern buyer needs a modern seller. And, and I really want to emphasize the word needs because the modern buyer needs a seller that's going to be helpful and that is trustworthy and credible and, and loyal to helping that buyer. And that buyer is looking for that seller. And that's the thing that is so different today is that that buyer has the ability to go out and search and find that seller and mm-hmm. engage with that seller very uniquely and very selectively. And, and that's why we say social selling is a thing, because the buyer is in control now, and only the modern seller who is going to be discoverable by that buyer when he or she is looking is really the one that's going to be engaged in those conversations. Thank you, Bernie. Quick question before I bring Kirsten in on this, and I know she has an opinion. Uh, Bernie, when we talk about personalizing and customizing and, and being there to build a unique relationship with whoever your prospect is or your customer already, and perhaps they're not that strong on social media. Maybe they're not comfortable with Twitter. Maybe they never use Facebook. Maybe they have a rudimentary LinkedIn profile, but they'd rather be called. How do you find that out? And I'm not talking about the age. I'm talking about their, com- their comfort level, their fear level as the person you want to connect with. How do you gauge that? Yes, yeah, so there's a, a concept that has become pretty well-known called socially surrounding an individual, a buyer. And hmm. so if there's an individual that I want to reach, but he or she is just not engaged in social channels, then I'm going to try to find out whatever I can about him or her by socially surrounding that individual and connecting and engaging with the people who influence that person and finding the people who are engaged at that company and they're engaged through digital channels. And I'm going to try to connect with them and build relationships with them. And if ultimately, you know, the buyer I need to get to is not connected digitally, doesn't engage, then I'm going to learn that I'm going to discover that by connecting and engaging and building relationships with these other people who influence that individual. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Kirsten, agree or disagree with Bernie? 
Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any way I could disagree with Bernie. I, I think it very much is um, a new era in the way uh, that customers want to engage um, the people that they're buying from, their vendors. Um, <clears throat> they want a personalized experience. Uh, they want to be catered to. Um, they want to know that they're important to you, that you're not just another ticket, um, you know, you're not just another tick on the page, that they've mm-hmm. called that person and, uh, and, you know, they're aware of the products that we have and, you know, they're going to buy from us. They, they don't, they don't want to be treated like uh, just a number on a list. They want to be made sure, they want to make sure that they have that very um, unique relationship with you and laughter and humor will absolutely play a part in that. Um, People want to know that uh, that you have their best interests at at heart, that you um, value the same things that they do, and and they only can find that out by building through building a relationship with you. And and in the given age with so much um, noise, uh, you know, people don't answer their phones if they don't recognize the number. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know they send their emails to junk mail if they don't uh, recognize the name. Mm-hmm. There's no way that um, you know you can get through to people, except if you happen if you play in the same spaces that they play. Um, and that play, I don't mean play as in you know not work. I mean mm-hmm. as in you know that's where they where they hang out and spend their hang time, out, right. learn their information, that kind of thing. Um, and that might be it. Might be LinkedIn. It might be Twitter. It might be um, uh, Instagram. It, who knows where it is? It depends on the person. And so that's why it's important as a seller to have a a presence in as many um, platforms as possible. Um, you have to evaluate where your where the bulk of your customers are, so that you spend the most amount of time in that place wherever that is. Uh, and then I think um, I also wanted to to note um, where Bernie said that if you know if they're not. Uh, in, if, the, if the person that you're trying to connect to is not very active in social, I think that's, that's actually really important information that you can learn about that person as well. Uh, not, not only knowing, figuring out what else you can learn about them just through, you know, the, their maybe inactive presence in their, in their um, profiles, but the fact that they aren't active is actually really good information to have and to, you know, perhaps you can start a conversation with, hey, I, you know, um, I see you're not particularly active in social. Is there a reason why? What, what do you think about social as a, as a platform for engaging with people? You know, just having that conversation with someone is a way to build a relationship with them as well. Thank you, Kirsten. Bernie, anything you want to add before I move on to something in Kirsten's notes? What I would add to what Kirsten just said is, uh, Kirsten, you actually reminded me of something that um, some would consider old school. However, in a scenario where someone is not active on social, if you can successfully learn something about them that is that is very relevant to that individual, then I would seriously consider, and I've actually I have done this, and I've done this actually in recent times, and that is use something called the postal service where you as actually physically mail something to the individual. The key is that that you either put it in an overnight envelope so that, you know, they're going to get it, they're going to sign for mm-hmm. it, or something that, you know, dramatically increases the chance that they'll receive it and open it, maybe in a box or something. But again, also make it highly relevant and engaging, and maybe if you can even inject a little humor in there in a very relevant and tasteful way, as we discussed earlier, 
but something that can get on their radar through that, that channel because digital is not a channel where you can engage them. Bernie, that's so retro, the idea of either picking up the phone or actually sending something by the Postal Service. Unbelievable mm-hmm. that we're retro. It really is. And, and that's probably why a lot of people are of the thought that in recent years, a handwritten thank you note to someone for doing something, for being there, for a gift they gave you, for a service they provided, for just being your friend, a handwritten, hand-signed, not stamped, not templated, not Xeroxed, Thank you note on personal stationery will get you noticed. Do you agree with that too? Yeah, something like a, a thank you note for thank you for accepting the call that we scheduled for next Thursday at 2 p.m. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, by the way, if Thursday at 2 p.m. doesn't work, how about and then fill in the blank, you know, leave it open or something like that. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Now, Kirsten, sometimes. You have people in a company who are engaged. They understand social, but the company doesn't. So let me read a little bit from your notes. I think you've got three statements here that I'm going to put all together and ask you to talk about them. One, you say starting a successful social selling program requires a dedicated effort in change management. Make sure the organization is actually ready for change and willing to put in the effort to make that change happen. That's number one. Then you say leadership commitment is a key component. Leaders need to be all in. And thirdly, you say expect to have opposition. People are uncomfortable with changes, especially if they are currently successful already. Kirsten, I hope we can put a red bow around this and tie it all together from the perspective of in order to be comfortable and succeed like the successful companies are, you need to have your management all in. So talk to us a little bit, please. Sure, that's a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I think when when a leadership team undertakes the the idea that they want to move into um, a social selling program or move into a digital selling uh, realm, they um, they need to be committed to making it happen in the first place. But they they need to be committed to making that uh, that effort in change management. Change management isn't just telling people to change. Change management requires um, steps in a lot of it around communication, um, communicating the the interest in changing, communicating the the reason for changing, communicating the how you're going to change, and then communicating it all over again. Um, because once people, when people are are exposed to to the idea of change, um, they go through phases of acceptance and or like you know pushing back first and then they kind of reluctantly accept and then they become uh, champions of that change and um, assuming it is a good change. <laughs> and so you want, you have to guide people through that and, and the leadership needs, team needs to be involved in that process right from the get-go. They need to be all in. They need to show that they're willing to change by, um, you know, updating their own uh, social profiles and interacting with customers uh, on social platforms and all of those kinds of things. Customers want to be heard and they want to know that they're being listened to, that they're being responded to. And if someone, if a CEO level executive uh, responds to a customer, that is, I mean, it's such a high for, for that person. And, um, mm-hmm. Simon Sinek has talked about how when people's uh, social um, interactions are uh, engaged with, so they, they put something out on social and somebody engages with it, it actually releases an endorphin uh, that mm. makes people feel good about themselves. 
And, um, and so can you imagine, it's not just your friend engaging with that, um, piece of content that you put out there, that statement that you put out there. It's the CEO of a company whose attention you're trying to get has responded to you. That's really, really impactful and it probably releases way more endorphins than just your friend. <laughs> you know, um, that kind of thing is really, really important to, to overall the messaging that the leadership is in this. They're willing to, to be participating right alongside you. They're willing to make those changes as, as uncomfortable as they might be. They're willing to make those changes right alongside you and see the successful outcome of that. You will have detractors, though. There are people that will perhaps not be um, willing to change, not be, they're not going to see the, the value in what you're trying to do. Uh, and they will fight you every step of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I once had an experience where a rep told me he didn't need to prospect anymore. He was working with just one account. Um, he knew everyone in that account, and he was quite comfortable with the way his, his business was functioning. He was very successful, didn't need to know anymore, didn't want to talk to me about social selling at all. The next year, the top champions in that account uh, were let go unexpectedly, and he completely lost his network, and he had to start wow. all over again. And he and his team came to me and they said, we don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. You need to help us build our network again um, because we know nobody in that account anymore. They had, he had been very um, closed-minded about broadening and deepening his, his network within the account. And he focused on a you know, very spe- specific set of people who seemed to be entrenched in the organization. And through new leadership at the top and, and a new vision and direction, this this group of people that he was engaged with were let go and he had to start all over again. Um, and, you know, we were able to help them, but it was, I was, I was kind of thinking to myself, I didn't say anything to him, of course, but I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, mm-hmm. if you had started broadening and deepening your network within the organization a year ago, you wouldn't be in the same place that you are today. Um, and so, yeah, there, there will be opposition. You, you're going to have to, I mean, so you can't force people to change unless you're a leadership in a leadership position and you, you say you have to do this. Um, but that's not a great way to go about it. Change management is not about forcing people to change. It's about helping them to come to the realization that they need to change and why they should change and then, and then how to do that, make that change and make it successful. Thank you, Kirsten. That's why I wanted you to put those all together because I felt that they were all linked in telling a, a bigger picture of a story. Very interesting. What I wanted to say when you told the story of this person who was relying on these people, his core at this particular large customer, he was relying on them always be there. All I could think of was shock and amazement, like, OMG, what have I not done? And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, and, and somebody forgot to tell him in the, in the manual on how to do business, the only constant in life is change because that's what it's all about. Bernie, I'm sure you have something to say about this. You want to add some thoughts, please? Uh, yeah, the first thing I want to say is, is Kirsten just masterfully covered so much in just a few minutes. So that was fantastic, Kirsten. And it reminded me of something that we have heard at Vengresso many times. And Kirsten, you probably heard this as well since you are in the business of delivering this training for um, SAP sales reps across the, the globe. And of course, you know, we're in a similar business to doing it for those companies that engage us to do that. And the number one thing that we hear from those people who are resistant to change is the following. On the other side of some kind of a training program, 
not a few days, but weeks and even months down the road. They've been through the program. They've experienced it. They've been executing it. The number one thing we hear is, I didn't know what I didn't know. So in other Mm -hmm. words, coming into it, just like that gentleman said, I'm all set. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't need any any help because I've got everything I need right now. He didn't know what he didn't know. And that's what I was reminded of when I heard that story. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. He should have known. Now, Bernie, we're going to do a little primer, primer, whatever you want to talk about here uh, from your notes. You have one, two, three, four, five pieces of advice on what social selling strategies include. And one, I think we've already covered with Kirsten just now, executive support, the C-suite must be on board. So let me just rattle off the next four and see if you can give a little flavor to them. Number one is training. Number two is ongoing communications. Number three is gamification. I'd love for you to focus there. And number four is marketing and sales alignment, which has always been a question mark. Who leads? Who follows? Who takes? Who, who's going to get it done right? And do they talk to each other? So, Bernie, training, ongoing communication, gamification, marketing and sales. You can pick any if you like or all four. What do you think? So I think I'll start with marketing and sales alignment because and, – and I'll touch on gamification. But I think marketing and sales alignment is really – a big one. And of course, it's not a new topic. It's been around for a long time, been around for decades. I know that I've been talking about it and trying to experience it for a few decades. But in the age of social selling, it's bigger than ever before. And, and fundamentally, what I really believe it comes down to and what I've seen firsthand from those companies that, that we work with is that when marketing, set, the, the, the head of marketing, the marketing leader says to the sales leader, your number is my number. And, and that communication gets its, makes its way out to the sales team and the head of marketing lets everybody in sales know your number is my number. Starting with that, that is a cultural shift. It is a mindset shift. It's an attitude. And if it's authentic, that alone is huge. And it kind of mm. starts to tear down some walls that have been in existence for a long time. Then marketing and sales sitting down and collaborating, and I don't mean all the people, obviously, but you know, marketing leadership, sales leadership, some representation from sales, defining what those perso- those buyer personas are, defining what those buyer pain points are, defining what that buyer's journey looks like. We've been talking about this for quite a while, right? But mm-hmm. then marketing, developing the content and producing the content that actually will be used by the salespeople, Bonnie. No, we call this, at Vingressa, we call this content for sale. I've been a long-time content marketing practitioner. I love content marketing. Content marketing, however, is largely top of the funnel. Content marketing, by its definition and by its practice, is largely top of the funnel. You might argue even middle of the funnel. A lot of awareness building, a lot of top of the funnel sort of lead generation, but generally not always, and really not even often, sales-ready conversations from traditional content marketing programs. When the marketing teams develop content that specifically addresses the needs of salespeople starting and continuing sales conversations, then marketing is directly impacting sales' ability to make their number, and marketing can actually deliver on that promise of your number is my number. And that's where I think marketing and sales alignment can really happen in a way that's material, it's measurable, 
and, and it just makes a difference. It moves the needle. Now, do you want me to pause there, Bonnie, before I move on no, to gamification? I've, I actually want you to go to gamification because we've got about 11 minutes left, including predictions. And that's something I think will intrigue people. How does gamification work its way into social selling? Go ahead, Bernie. Sure. So gamification at its simplest level is just uh, simply tapping into something that is very innate, very a part of the mindset of all sales professionals, and that is their competitive nature and something we even talked about at the top of the hour, which is we talked about humor, and humor is a, is a way mm-hmm. of having fun, right? So salespeople like to enjoy themselves. They like to compete. So to the extent that you can implement gamification strategies, things like who you know who's starting the most sales conversations, who's got the highest social selling index, you know, whose network is the largest, you know, simple things like that. You can start with that and you can drill down and get even more granular based on the specifics of your sales organization. But just starting with some of the basics there and having leaderboards where everybody's visible and you can have, you know, winners per month, each month, each quarter, that kind of thing. And then, of course, just things like, you know, pipeline attribution, you know, again, attributed to social selling activities, Again, gamifying that with a leaderboard. So to the extent that those leaderboards actually put people, uh, salespeople, you know, make them more visible in terms of who's achieving these, these certain metrics, that can really inspire others that are not there to invest and commit and work at it so that they can start making those leaderboards. And, it, you know, it all kind of bubbles up and starts to you know, accelerate results. Thank you, Bernie. It reminds me of the honor roll. My third and fourth grade teachers used to post on the room in the classroom in elementary school with gold stars. I was always managed to be in the top three, but I never got higher than two, which was a great source of, uh, you know, 10 year old competitiveness. It was, dang, how come Shelly and Ann always are number one and two? And I'm, oh, well, one week I actually made it into number two and Ann dropped to number, ah, we switched back. What can I tell you? So that, that goes, that, that comes onto a, a core need to be the best. But quick question for you, and Kirsten, I want you to reply about gamification in just a second. Bernie, what about the culture that we see in schools today and in a lot of organizations that everybody gets an award just for showing up, and we shouldn't have the winners and the losers? You can tell by my attitude about that. Bernie, what do you do if somebody never makes it into the, let's say, a sales force of 20 people and they never get past the bottom 10? What do you do? Are you are you discouraging them or are you saying, do you have a find another way for them to exceed in something so they feel of value? What's your thought on that? Well, I want to allow enough time for Kirsten to comment on it, so I'll be brief. Um, first yeah. of all, you know, the, the results seem to be black and white, so they are what they are. But, but then you can learn where people need coaching and assistance and, and, and attention. So it's an opportunity to get with those people privately and selectively to coach ah. them and help them improve. I'll leave it at that. And that sure was Kirsten a perfect answer. answer. That. Perfect. Kirsten, you can talk about salespeople being competitive and or gamification. What do you, what do you think about the leaderboard concept and about helping people become more competitive within their own company and everybody's a win-win? Oh, we use gamification and, and I think it is truly a great way, but I do see that, um, if you're not consistent with it or it, um, you know, it's, it's not done particularly well. It can also become just this thing that they don't even pay attention to anymore. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the top two are paying attention and the rest aren't. Um, so it, it, you do have to be very selective about how often you do it or how you do it, um, you know, h- how you're br- drawing attention to it, what they get out of it. Besides, you know, besides saying, look, I'm number two in my company, what else do they get to say about that? The, what, you know, is it a monetary um, reward? Is it a um, recognition from leadership? Is it a conversation with leadership? Maybe perhaps like a coaching or mentoring conversation? Like what, is it, what does it result in um, for being the top? And how valuable is that? Because monetary uh, and rewards and, and prizes and that kind of thing, well, they're fun. If it's not the latest and greatest and, and the newest innovative digit or gadget or whatever you want to call it, it's, it loses its interest, their interest quite quickly. Um, and so you have to be careful about the balance of, of what you're rewarding with and how you're um, drawing attention to those awards and that kind of thing so that it um, maintains its relevance to them. Um, but I do think it, it is an important aspect, especially in the beginning when you're trying to get people on board and trying to, to get them interested in making the changes and seeing those changes actually happen, you can use gamification in that way. Um, but, you, you know, in the longer term, it's, um, it's a little bit more di- difficult to maintain that interest in, in the gamification because of the priorities come along um, or, and, you know, they've made the change. They don't need to keep... You don't need to keep telling them they need to make the change. They've made the change. It's the way they do business now. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the next thing. What, what was the next thing that needs to change? Um, so it's just, a, you know, I, I absolutely think it has to be part of, of the of a, you know, successful social selling program. Uh, but I think in the longer term, it's, it's, uh, it, you have, do have to be cautious with it. Kirsten, thank you. And there's one more part to your notes here I want to bring up. I think this is a, I, to me, it's a great segue. You say have the right people in place. The people you put in place to deliver a social selling program need to be in this for the long haul. And I think that's uh, almost like a subtext of what we've been saying. This is not quick and do it and get on the leaderboard one week and then go off and forget about it and do something else. How do you know who the right people are? By the way, we have five minutes left, so I want to get a quick answer from you. How do you put the right people? Who are they, Kirsten? How do you identify them for the long haul of a social selling program and strategy? What's your thought? Uh, to my mind, uh, and this is really just my opinion, I think the people that you put in place for, for social selling that are going to run social selling for you, they need to be both strategic thinkers and be able to, to strategize and to think about how to develop a program and what to put into place and, and know social selling, but they also need to be willing to be doers and to, to put their backs in, to put their heads in, and make sure that this actually happens and that the right stuff gets done, uh, and they're not just sitting back and waiting for the results. Um, it, they do, or either that or they have to have the budget to, to bring in the right doers. <laughs> um, but in, in regards to the point about um, being in it for the long haul, I think this is where the mm-hmm. change management piece, it come back to the change management piece, right? Um, if you're if you're involved in, in making a change within an organization, you can't just um, you know be there for a, you know, a month or two and then you're pulled off to another project and it's left to someone else's hands because uh, just like social selling or selling in general, um, change management is about building relationships with people and getting them to see the need for change and to make you know make commitment to that change and making that change and they feel comfortable with someone, then they're more likely to to do that 
and make those changes. If that person that's leading them through that change is constantly changing, they don't feel like they're um, they're able to build a, a consistent coaching relationship with that person, and and they won't buy in, and they won't actually commit to making those changes, and it become that much more difficult. So it's 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 really important that you have someone who's going to stick in with it, is passionate about it, and is really excited about making this a huge effort to to make this change. Thank you, Kirsten. And guess what? You brought us right up to the edge of our prediction segment. So, Bernie Borges, I can give you 60 seconds. They're all yours. What's going to change about social selling secrets of companies doing it well? And if you want to also mention a company that is doing it well, that's public-facing, if you'd like to, 60 seconds, talk to me. What's on the horizon for social selling strategy? Bernie, go ahead. Well, primarily something that I think um, I don't mean to put uh, words in Kirsten's mouth, but I do believe uh, I've heard Kirsten say this before, and I totally agree, and that is that social selling really is just evolving to become modern selling, just the way that we sell. Mm-hmm. You know, as time passes, digital is just a bigger part of how we connect and engage with people. So the the companies that are really, really doing it well are embracing the change management, the culture, the mindset, the training investment, the ongoing support, the gamification. And so my only prediction on this really is the fact that it's just, you know, maybe the word social selling might kind of fade away and it'll just become selling or modern selling. And then I do have to throw in there the fact that I think AI is going to continue to be a bigger, bigger uh, ingredient and element in the way that salespeople get their information and making better use of their time so they can spend more time very efficiently selling and less time doing a lot of tedious work because AI is going to do a lot of that heavy lifting for them. Thank you, Bernie Borges. Great prediction. And I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. It will become not social selling, just selling or modern selling. Good point. Kirsten, I saved 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. Predict, please. I believe that in the future, uh, the data that we draw from social selling and how we draw that data and how we use that data will become so much more important. Uh, it already is important, but we, right now we're struggling with being able to capture that data and how to utilize it. And I think that as we move forward, as systems get smarter, as um, the, the topic of social selling evolves and becomes sales, uh, the, the way that we capture the data and what we capture um, and how we use that data to, to be better at the jobs that we are doing um, will be so much more important and will be so much more available to us um, that we'll be able to make better um, relationships and and be able to uh, to be better um, vendors for our customers. That's really the bottom line. We want to make the customer experience the best that it can be. Thank you very much, Kirsten and Bernie Borges, CMO at Pencresso. See, you wait long enough, I'll get it right. And Kirsten at SAP, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for listening. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. And this has been another show on our wonderful ongoing series, Changing the Game with Social Selling Radio. And let me do my call to action at the very end here. Why not fasten your seatbelt? What in the world are are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Bernie Borges at Vengresso. That's V-E-N-G-R-E-S-O if you want to look them up. And Kirsten Boylow at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. 
the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.